Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network. The Best Ever You Show is here to help you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. With this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. And now, here is your host, Elizabeth. Hello, 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 everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I think that's what we're doing. We're listening, we're talking, we're sharing, we're blogging, we're doing all these cool things today. Uh, It is a Wednesday, and I don't usually do shows on Wednesday. I do them on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but we have a guest, Dr. Julie Connor, who is with us. I had to... um, I, she graciously agreed to allow me to bump her on, on uh, February 7th so Dana Vollmer could be with us. And so we moved to Wednesday, and so here we are. And um, as I'm sitting here looking out my window, I'm here in Maine. Um, we're expecting another foot of snow, believe it or not. So um, oh, you know, if any, <laughs> isn't that scary, Julie? Another foot of snow. So we just got, well, we had a snowpack already. And then we got another 20 inches, and now here comes another foot of snow. So um, if at any point, you know, you need to unfreeze me or come find me. or <laughs> What I will here. do is pass our warmth here in the Midwest your direction because we've had unseasonably warm weather. It's been in the 40s, 50s, and 60s throughout yeah. the last several weeks. And so I, I see your pick. Yes, I, I want winter. I want snow. Don't- and Don't jinx yourself. You are getting it in abundance. Well, careful there because we had that kind of weather before this, and we were all walking around in shorts oh. thinking it was over. Yeah, careful, careful what you wish for. You may get it because okay. we were yeah we were thinking winter's over and here comes baseball. And just as soon as we kind of got into that mindset because we had like five days in a row where it was pretty cool, bam, this hit. So um, after this is over, we go back up into the 40s and 50s and stuff. So we're kind of excited about that. But anyway, okay, so this isn't about the weather, but it sort of is. <laughs> because, <laughs> There's your weather uh, report for the day. Okay. Yeah, thank you, and yeah, I have no meteorology That's all to fear. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, bye. No. Um, all right. So we have Dr. Julie Connor with us, and as you're listening, you might want to go to Julie's website. It's drjulieconnor.com. That's D R J U L I E C O N N O R dot com. And uh, Julie is amazing. Let's just go there. She's a, a youth leadership. I call her kind of a superstar. She doesn't call herself a superstar, but she is a youth leadership superstar. Um, She's been involved with Best Ever You, and I've known her for a pretty pretty good clip of years now. And um, I really have been wanting to this year just sort of shine the spotlight back on her to show you all that she does because it's really cool. And um, also, Julie, you're really clever with the graphics and stuff. I love your enthusiasm. Your enthusiasm comes through um, on the computer, which is hard to do. It's hard to make those graphics and your information leap off the screen like that. And so I applaud that because every, you know, I'm, you know, you know us, we're on the internet a lot. So it takes a lot to, to impress yes. us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have high standards. I do. And so do you. And I can feel it. So, um, what are some of the things you've got going on right now? And then we'll kind of go back and, and share some of the things that you've done. Um, but what's, what's, what are you working on? There's a lot. Well, right. I've, I've got, um, I've several years ago in 2014, I wrote a personal goal setting book called dreams to action trailblazers guide. 
And I, I had done many workshops throughout the country with organizations and churches and schools about how to create organizational goals. But when I made a big job change in 2011, I had to figure out how to make this process personal. And that's what resulted in, in the book. It's not about me. It's for people that need tools to figure out what they want to do next and how they can be successful doing that. I recently was contacted by several school districts and said, we love your book. Can you make a youth edition of Dreams to Action Trailblazers Guide? So I'm, I'm working on that right now as, as well as a novel for young people about violence in schools and how we can be advocates for change. Wonderful. How did you um, segue from your former job to this? What 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 exactly were you doing before, and how does that blend with this? What was your major job change? Well, uh, I was an instructional coach in a school district, and I, it was an urban school district. At the same time, I was finishing my doctoral degree. I knew I wanted to do something spectacular. I wanted to try something different. I wasn't sure what it was. But there's this, the, the laws of attraction were already at work. I was already thinking about what I wanted to do next. And the invitation came in the form of a letter from the school district. As it downsized, I was invited not to come back. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> That's polite. Many of the, many of the positions uh, that were middle management like I, yeah. like I had were eliminated. And I was... You know, I, I, I knew what was in the letter before it was put into my hands, and it felt like fire. It literally felt like fire in my hands, and it was as if I could hear this voice within me saying, you've wanted to step out on your own for years. Now you're ready. What are you going to do next? Yeah. And I, I knew I had try. And I, I had always wanted to speak. I had always wanted to inspire others. I wasn't sure how to do that yet. But I yeah. really believe that there's something magical that happens when we dig deep and take a first step. I really believe that taking the first step in any direction is the right step. If, if, if you make errors, if you make mistakes, those are those are arrows too that lead you into the direction you want to go. And so this was, you know, it wasn't me making this magical step that I was going to write a book and inspire others. At the time, I was, I, I knew I wanted to do something different, but the process that was getting there was very difficult. At times, I was lost. Uh, I thought I was too old. I thought I had much work experience. I thought I uh, had too much education. You know, what What am I going to do next? And as, as, as I stepped forward and stepped out and started volunteering, I started to find the things that made me excited again. And, yeah. uh, and so that, well, hang on that, one second. I've got, I've got a little yeah. bit of funny audio on you. Um, you kind of come yeah. in close and then kind of fade away. Um, I got. I we can hear you. Everything you're saying, it just sounds a little um, like. Talk one more time. <laughs> just how's this? There you go. Now we got it. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. So you so you knew kind of what you were going to do, but not exactly. And you 
it sounds like you just sort of, you know, leapt forward and, and, you know, kind of not blindly because you're kind of in that field already, but you, you're learning as you go a little bit. Would you agree with that? I think, I think blindly is a real good word. I, I, I had no idea how I was going to do what I was going to do next. I came from the world of academia from schools where there were clear lesson plans, clear steps, clear information. And this was stepping out into the blue. I, and, 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 you know, to take a step backwards, one of the most powerful experiences I had, they always come through side windows, I think, when we align with our own personal vision and, 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 and start getting clear about our purpose. I contacted a personal organizer who helped me go through my file cabinets. I had six years and six, or I'm sorry, 36 years and six file cabinets packed with teaching resources and business workshops and professional development. I had all religious education materials. I had all the stuff. And I finally contacted a professional organizer, and she helped me sort through the things I wanted to keep and the things that I, I needed to release. And really what we were doing was clearing space. And when it came to the youth, and adult training materials, I remember holding them close to my chest. And I told her I was in tears. And I said, I can't let go of this. And she leaned across the table and she looked at me and she said, Julie, then what's that tell you about your purpose? Hmm. And immediately it was clear. I, I prepare youth to be leaders and adults to be mentors and role models. Yeah, you sure so do. As, as we step forward, we meet. The, the people and trust, and trust that the universe will provide. We need the, the people, places, and the experiences we need as long as we're courageous enough to trust in, in what we're called to do and to, be, and to take the next step. Yeah. So if you just joined us, we're, we're live on air with Dr. Julie Connor, and her website is drjulieconnor.com. And uh, Julie is an author. She's a TED, a TED, I want to say TEDx speaker or TED speaker, um, an educator, TED speaker, or tra- yeah. TED speaker um, professional trailblazer for sure, and um, very, very in tune with preparing, uh, as she said, youth to be leaders as adults um, and you know, mentor to be mentors and role models and all those things that you grow into as an adult. Julie t- takes our youth and and helps them develop into that. And um, she's written a book called um, Dreams into Action, um, and it's a trailblazer's guide. I can't remember the second part of it, but I just I always remember just Dreams into Action. And um, Julie was talking about how there's sort of like a, a grown up version of this, and then she's developing something for. Um, to be used in schools with the book. Um, I, I sort of think I dreams to action trailblazers guide is basically what it's called. And um, I have the book and I love the book. And I also think the book as is, and I've told you this before can be used with your more grown up teenagers and college age kids as is. Um, If it needs to be something for little kids though, no, that's not quite the right thing, but you know, around age 15, a really in tune 15 year old, gets your book really well. I've used it with all four of my kids and, um, and they love it. And I used it right about age 15. Um, do you want to, how did you, how did you come across? How did you, I can't talk today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's a good quality <laughs> to have when you're on the radio. Um, how did you write your book? 
to write your book and when did you write your book? The who, what, why, uh, a lot where's of my when? book was personal experience in terms of I, I've got to figure out. I went to uh, uh, networking events, uh, you know, because I knew if I wanted to be a speaker, I needed to market myself as a speaker. And all I knew about marketing as an academic was there was a school of education in a school of business on our college campus. And I knew people that did marketing went into there. I wasn't sure what they did, but they went into that building and they got degrees and something. And so I went to a, 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 a networking event and somebody asked, well, what do you do, Julie? And I said, I'm a speaker. And they said, that's fabulous. What do you speak about? And I said, I'm an inspirational speaker. And they said, that's wonderful. What's your message? How do you inspire others? And nothing came out of my mouth. And uh, so as I'm developing my own vision, I had a a really uh, life-altering experience during a workshop. It wasn't anything profound I said, but something, a question that a young person asked. I was uh, leading a workshop with high school urban youth on how to set goal strategies. And as I worked with a young group of girls, there was an 18-year-old that was shouting questions at me from across the room. And the young man kept interrupting what I was trying to speak to the girls. And I looked at him and I asked, well, tell me about what I wanted to ask. Tell me about your dream. Tell me about your goal. But that's not what I said. I said, tell me about your dream. And the class got quiet. He looked at me and his voice got soft. And he said, my dream, I don't know. No one's ever asked me that question before. And I leaned back and thought, he's 18 years old. He's in a school and no one's asked him about his dream. And I can speak from experience as an educator that we spend a lot of time on knowledge, but I realized how critical it was to give all those goal-setting strategies about how to keep a planner, how to run a schedule, track of things in your calendar uh, without applying those to personal goals. And so at that point, I committed myself to having these kinds of conversations with young people and the adults that work with them because I don't think, I think we get so caught up in doing, and I include myself, that we don't take the time to reflect about what our gifts are, what we're called to bring into the world, and how we can share our gifts to serve others. And so that's really was a the jumping off point in terms of a need that I saw and a response that I could deliver. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more there too. You know, in the schools, you know, they teach to not, you know, not a knock on our schools or anything like that, but they Absolutely. they do spend a lot of time teaching to tests, teaching the information in the book, you know, doing all these things and um it's interesting our our school um, here in Falmouth, Maine, does a couple different things that I've never seen in too many places, and I certainly didn't have it myself. And that's that they require the kids to do a senior project in order to graduate. And then they also require, I think it's 35 hours of community service now at the high school level to graduate. Oh, that's wonderful. 
and they're submerged in a foreign language, basically starting in kindergarten. I may be, I know my kids all four were, it may have changed recently, but um, you get your choice of Spanish or French starting in kindergarten. And so you're submerged in a second language um, of your choice all through your time here. And um, that seems to kick out a little bit more well-rounded kid, in my opinion, anyway. I I agree. I, I particularly like, <laughs> the, you know, I, I, I love the emphasis on service uh, because we can easily in our country become very narrow and in our perspective and yeah. entitled in ways that service takes us out of ourselves. But as we become more of a global community, you know, nowhere on the planet can you travel from state to state or cross large areas of land without having to know a different language like we can in the United States. Right. Um, the, the statistics are that around, and we can already see the trend shaping our country now, that in by 2047, the Minor, the Caucasian population will become will evolve into the minority as we reach 2047. And so, if if kids are understanding and experiencing language changing now, how fortunate we are, not in the future, but at this time, to be celebrating and learning about other cultures, because all of that takes place when we learn a new language. I love that name is leading the way in, in terms of language immersion for all students. I think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, it's been really neat, um, especially it was interesting. You know, we moved here from California. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and um, that's you, a you, yeah, it was. And you had it a little bit naturally in um, the schools already there because a lot of the kids spoke Spanish where we were. Um, and so the kids picked up on it. And um, one of my oldest son was pretty bilingual when, when we got here anyway. Um, but, you know, it was, it was cool that they, they, they do that. Um, and then, you know, the leadership programs and things like that. And so this is a nice, uh, a nice sort of pri- nice privileged community. What are things like in areas where it's not so privileged and they don't have these things. Um, how does your message fit in, you know, and, and translate into all different schools? I believe that the kinds of questions that we encourage kids, I think urban kids in particular, some of the kids that I work with have many struggles and mm-hmm. many roadblocks. And so to equip them with tools with which they can plan and not only dream, but it's in our dream where we experience hope. And I, I believe that tools I offer and, and people, you know, that are in service, not only in our urban core, but through, through experiences wherever we are, uh, provide young people with tools and options that they may not have ever had. I, I think so, you do a really – oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I can't see you, so I couldn't tell if you were done or not. <laughs> sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> well, I think you have a really neat message in that you, you touch people and tell them you have the power to change the world. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I, I think no matter where you are or where you go or who you reach, 
you are sharing a message that, you know, that individual that you're coming across has the power to change the world. And what's that message like and who are you touching with that? Mahatma Gandhi once said that um, we are the change we want to see in the world. And so if, if that is true, then that means that no matter where we are, whether it doesn't matter um, whether we have no financial resources or where or, 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 or race, our skin color, our religion, our spirituality, our ethnic background, there is something rich in all of our experiences, and there's something powerful in sharing what gifts we have with the world. I think so often in our in our media, we see so much about having to um, well even as you look by in a in a grocery store and you see the covers of magazines, uh, all of us are influenced by. Uh, what we see, what we read, and magazine covers, and particularly with young people, they compare themselves to the thin or the beautiful or the the, the wealthy, the well-dressed. That's what I'm supposed to look like, and that's what encapsulates success. And I, I think as adults we have opportunities to inspire young people to look in. It's not the outside package, but it's the gift is on the inside, just like a present. And so how, how can we invite and, and carry on those conversations with young people? I find young people are not only hungry to talk to adults, they are starving for opportunities. Now, they, their language is different. And but but they are looking to us as the adults to reach out to them to to, uh, to have conversations with them because that's where uh, the kids find confidence is in the relationships that they hold. Yep, I I totally agree. Do you um, what makes a child what makes a kiddo a, a great leader? You know, if somebody's listening to this and they're and they're like, well, you know, I want to be more of a role model or more involved in student leadership or um, whatever it is. You know, we have no idea who we might touch with this show, whether it be somebody older or somebody younger. And sometimes I think kids are afraid to assume those roles of leadership because they associate them with popularity. Oh, absolutely. Um, I. There's a difference. I think one thing is and you know i i think oftentimes the most popular kids are the ones that appear like the kids that are like the the images that they see in the media the images they see on the cover of magazines and i think the first thing we can do as adults to inspire young people to be leaders and role models is we we have a responsibility to be leaders and role models ourselves you know, to tap into what gifts we have. Um, I, I think so much in what we see in social media, and you and I spend a lot of time there, is, mm-hmm. is and especially in the political environment, there is so much 
criticism of and gossip about other people. And name-calling is becoming the new tolerable. And as adults, I believe our first step in being role models is to be mindful of our language and the kind of example we want to set for young people. Who did you, and, and, and I think back to my own role model. My own role models were, were strong. They uh, were not afraid to live their faith. Their faith aligned with their words and actions. And I think those are the essence of what being a role model is. You know, a person that's a role model is somebody who has strong core, a strong sense of core values, and their words and actions are aligned with their values. Yeah, I think. And, oh, yep. Go, go ahead. ahead. Keep going. Nope. You keep going. I just believe that's how legacy is mm-hmm. is passed from one generation to the next. We become the torch. That that shared with young people, and then they find their own light by through the models that they've witnessed and who've enveloped and loved them. Yeah, I noticed one thing. You know, it's a process raising four boys, and I appreciate your help through the years <laughs> and thoughts and things like that. And you know, you try and help people be their best, whether they're they're your kids or a stranger. You know, the goal. You know, that my goal is to help people be their best, and you see these little these little glimpses of greatness and glimpses of interest and, you know, all uh, glimpses of struggle. You know, there's all these things that kids have. And one thing I've noticed about um, some kids um, and we've made it a point to not be this way in our home is to be a kid who's one way in front of adults and one way in front of kids in front of their peers. In other words, it feels like sometimes kids are like all, all acting like they're all behaved in front of adults, but then when they get around their friends, they're drinking, smoking, doing drugs, misbehaving, you know, causing mischief and doing all sorts of different things. And so um, recognizing that we sort of, uh, we're kind of vocal about it. It's like, you know, be consistently one way. I think when kids see their the role model being yeah. consistent and their role models being consistent, then they're consistent. You know, yeah. One thing that I love about your posts on social media is, you know, you are so aligned, Elizabeth, with your values. The, your, your values are expressed through your blog, through your, through your book, Percolate, but they're also expressed not only in what you share um, on your uh, radio show and in what you write about, but even in your boys, in your family. Many parents these days have taken to, and not only parents, but even other adults, have taken to social media to shame their kids. And, yeah, I see that. And, like, and oh. that is tragic. And it's not only tragic, but we're reinforcing a way to treat others. And right. And I, I just love how you celebrate your sons and, and, and baseball and, and the gifts that they have to share with the world. And you, and, and you celebrate that as well. I believe with everything within me that if a kid has one adult who loves them 
unconditionally, and they know that, that chances are really good they're going to be okay. Yeah. And I personally had a grandmother. And even when we moved away uh, hundreds of miles from where she lived when I was growing up, I had no doubt in my mind she loved me. She thought I was fabulous. And <laughs> it was that love that helped me and encouraged me when time seemed darkest. Yeah. I was... Very. Uh, when I was growing up, I I struggled with depression. I struggled with an anxiety disorder, uh, and I had no tools for for communic- for defending myself. I bought all into the message that I heard was when somebody hurts you, turn the other cheek. And so that's what I did. And, not, and, and I miss nothing's wrong with that message. What's wrong with my interpretation of that message? That isn't literal. But we, I, I had no sense of personal boundaries. And I think that's another driving force with what I want to provide to people that work with young people, with teachers, with youth leaders, and to youth themselves, so that they're equipped with tools to set solid boundaries and take good care of themselves. Oh, I love that. Oh, I, I absolutely love that. I know we're throwing a lot of our opinion out there and um, that's, that's, you know, I, I think that's fine. Are you okay with that? You know, just sort of being a, we're throwing opinions and suggestions and advice out there and I'm pretty good with that um, because I, I think that's so critical what you just said um, all of it, and in, in particular the part about having someone in your life that believes in you unconditionally. That's I, when you were saying that. I was thinking about my aunt Barbara, um, and oh, yeah. her taking me under her wings, and my parents, and you know, just all sorts of. I'm in the middle of eleven kids. I don't know if you know that or not. Oh, There's my a lot goodness. of us. No, yeah, I did I not eat, know that. Oh, if you're ever around goodness. me, I eat really fast. It's hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, I'm in the middle of a lot of kids, and um, we were my parents were very busy. Um, they, but awesome. My parents are very, very cool people. And we had the, you know, everybody does what they're going to do. There was no, you're bad. You're this, you're that, you know, just, you know, they're really supportive, cool parents. Um, and I, I'm kind of getting my, I I think my point is that I think everybody has a, a bit of those things that you're talking about, unsurety, depression, anxiety, you know, maybe not full on, you know, total depression and so forth. But, you know, everybody has those points as you're growing up where you don't know whether what you're doing is right or wrong, whether you fit in, don't fit in. You know, it's an unsure period of time for a, for a, a long time. You do have no idea what's going on or, you know, or what you're doing. You know, you're finding your way. And as you're doing that, the one thing I always say to other kids is to be kind to other kids. And I, I don't see it very much. Sometimes I do. I see it, uh, believe it or not, I see it way more in boys than I do in girls. Um, I agree. That's probably true. But, you know, <laughs> you, have the, you have no idea when you're looking at somebody else, just like you. I mean, we're, I'm with you on the radio, but I really have no idea what's going on in your life for real. I don't know you well enough to, to know every little bitty detail about your life. And we're two females. And granted, you know, I think we're both you know, about 50 or so. And, um, you know, if you take that back into teenage years, you know, put us both back in high school and see how we would have treated each other. 
not, I bet it wouldn't always be nice. uh, You try to be, but you have no idea what's going on in another person's life. And um, so I wish sometimes I could go back and um, know what I know now and do it over in high school and be that person who is just like so in tune and aware of like everybody's everything and just a little bit more. I was never mean to anybody, but just I, I think anybody could wish they could go back and be a lot more kind, overly right. kind. You know what I mean? I was never mean or, or rude or anything like that, but overly kind would be a cool way to go through high school. And some people have you know, that and some I had, people just don't. I was so fortunate. I, I, I do believe even as bullied and broken as I felt going yeah. through high school, and I, and I was broken, I was shy, I was withdrawn, and um, all I wanted to do was save my money, get out of St. Louis, and go away to college because I knew I had, in my gut, I knew I had leadership skills. I just needed an opportunity to let them shine. And one of the interesting things that happened is my focus on what I could do about me rather than what everybody had said or done about me. And that took some years to learn because being withdrawn and being bullied, I was also very angry, very angry because I had no healthy way to release the anger. As I grew and matured and found ways to tap into my own talents and and release anger because I knew I was hurting no one but me. I found other ways to live my life more joyfully. And the interesting thing that happened to me in the last year is I had my 40th high school reunion. I was terrified to go back to it at first because, in fact, I, I wrote, yeah, I did go back because a cheerleader reached out, and I wrote a blog post about this. A cheerleader from my high school class reached out to me and said, are you coming to the reunion? And I finally got honest with her. And I said, no, I'm not coming. High school was miserable for me. I really don't have a desire to go, but thank you for asking me. And she wrote back, and she said, you're, you're, you're kidding. Your high school experience was hard. She said, Julie, I was so shy in high school and you were in theater you sang you formed on stage I was so jealous of you and I thought oh my goodness perhaps perhaps my perspective was skewed (laughs) mine too maybe oh yeah yeah I think what I, and this is something I, I give opportunities for kids and especially in retreat experiences because sometimes what we think is going on and other people's perception of what we think is going on is very different. So when I went, I, I did go to my high school reunion, and all of the people I was most afraid of running into came up to me and said, you've made so much of your life. How did you do it? Can I read your book? Can we have oh. a conversation? And it was like, oh, my goodness, if if we can somehow turn the focus on us rather than what other people did to us or other poor experiences that we had in the past, if we can shed that light on what we're called to do, what we're called to experience, and like you said, in the high school experiences there in May, how we can serve, 
then we're not so busy focused on all of those things that are negative or drug us down. Our young people are starving for someone to notice that they're doing good. Uh, Something I learned from teaching is whether it's the urban core, whether it's rural areas, whether it's suburban schools, kids want to be acknowledged by the adults in their lives, including their teachers, including their parents. They want adults to think they're smart, but they'd rather be dumb. They'd rather be, they'd rather act out bad than be stupid or called names. Or called names or perceived as not smart. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that is reactionary. And um, I work, I'm a student teaching field supervisor as well. I, I, am connected with the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and I uh, am the liaison between our student teachers in Kansas and Missouri schools and the university. And as I was working with uh, student teachers last night, it's interesting that we're having this conversation now. Many of the student teachers were asking me, was I ever nervous when I first started teaching, when I first started speaking? Did I ever worry about what the kids thought of me. Was I ever scared? Was I ever insecure? And I said, of course I was. Of course I am. Even to this day, there's times I'm not sure. And they were absolutely relieved. Yeah. Now, it I just changes, doesn't it? Fear. Yeah. Yeah. It, it changes into, am I too old? <laughs> Sorry yes. to interrupt you, but it's funny. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. So am I too you old to be doing I'm this? Real... Am I, do my wrinkles show? Am I tall enough? Am I... <laughs> funniest thing. Oh, like, seriously, uh, nah, we're never worried about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when I find out somebody's going through the same thing, oh my gosh, it's so much more bearable. Isn't it? Because then yeah. I, the only thing worse than going through experiences that hurt and are painful is going through it alone. Yeah. That's interesting. So well, we I'm have so glad these, you shared all that. Well, it's right. fun. And uh, when we take chances, I mean, even, I don't know if you remember, but even how we met one another uh, was yeah. taking a chances on one another. Uh, yeah. I remember you, you were, uh, you were looking, you were requesting people to review your book, Percolate. And uh, we're going to provide a free copy to anyone who uh, would would be interested in reviewing it. I had already found your website, Best Ever You, um, and had followed many of your posts that were so positive. And so when I saw that post go up, I I jumped on that fast. Well, thank and you for showing was, up for me because that I I cherish everybody who who like I I'm serious I I really do cherish the people who show up when you put out a call like that when it's just a blanket bold you know like I'm totally scared to write this post you know because what if nobody what if nobody you know, nobody does it you know like oh, okay yeah. I put that out there and nobody helped you know kind of thing so talk about fear and anxiety or what if they, what if they don't like it or yeah whatever. exactly yeah yeah no yeah there's a there's a review out there that is quite suge- that suggests how I wrote the book <laughs> and it's pretty funny it's a pretty bad review there's only one bad review oh, and it's a pretty goodness. mean one it's so funny just like really you think that's how I wrote the book huh well you have to read it if you haven't read that I'll send it to you it's pretty funny but anyway yeah thank you very much for doing that and um uh 
but this show isn't about me. This show's about you. And I want to go back to you for a second because you, you do that. You bring it all about other people. And I want to turn keep the focus on you here because you're so okay, cool with all you do. <laughs> no, no. You, I noticed that about you. I have to, I have to bring you back to yourself here. Um, how did you learn to do all this? Were you – I want to take you back to kindergarten and things like that because um, I'm going to go with bossy for a minute because I'm, I'm bossy. I'm bossy. I'm loud. I can be pushy. I can be a lot of different things. And there was this, um, see if I can find it again. There's this graphic out on the internet and it's all the things that people call you behind your back. And it's got, it's like a a lady with her back turned. And then in little bubble quotes are all the things that people say, you know, bossy, ugly, fat, short, skinny. it's, It's a mix of good and bad, you know, just like what we endure. And it was the coolest post because, um, as a, as a girl, I want to go back to you as a girl in kindergarten. I know I was trained to behave, not be bossy, not be loud, not be. Uh, that came from my mom who said, "Go be what you're going to be." But in high, you know, in, in little elementary school, you're taught to be quiet and behave and get along and play nice with the kids in the sandbox. Um, how do you break from that? We talk, you know, how women are talking about this these days. You know, you don't want to get labeled bossy, or do you? Bossy's not so bad. I I have made such a 180 in my life. I mean, just completely. Um, when I was in kindergarten, um, I'll, I'll just be honest with my story. My father was drinking at the time, and my mother was doing everything that she could to keep a roof over our head and food in our tummies. And so during this time, she found... Uh, someone to come into our home, a nanny or babysitter, if you were, the caregiver that came into our home to take care of my brother and sisters and I while she was at work and trying to manage and juggle all the pieces. Uh, This was somebody who was very physically abusive with me. Uh, and, And I really believe in the abuser abuse relationship. There is a, a nebulous connection between the abuser, and finding the one who won't talk. And some of that is almost intuitive. And the punishment for me was being sent to the darkness of my parents' bedroom. When my parents got home from work, she would make up all kinds of crazy tales about what I was doing uh, throughout the day to warrant being punished. So when I came out, I was punished again by my parents I was never told what it was I was doing, but I was sent oh, back to sucks. the bedroom again as punishment, and the punishment was I wasn't allowed to talk. So I, I learned shame, I learned guilt, and I learned not to talk. Oh. But the magical, life-saving thing in all of this, I spent hours in a dark room sitting on a stool by my parents' bed. And I'm a creative kid and so here what I wasn't aware of at the time is I was making up stories in my head beginning of becoming a writer and a storyteller and it was all birds in those experiences and I you know as I look back now you know and there was healing that certainly needed to take place but you know, I would not be the kind of storyteller that I am now um, had it not been 
shaped in those experiences. And as being shaped in these experiences, yes, as time goes on, as I've heard you describe yourself, oh my goodness, my husband would say the same thing. I am five foot two, I am little. And I have lungs that go to my toes. I have a big <laughs> voice. I have a bigger personality. Um, I'm bossy. I think I know everything. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> and usually I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> but, wait, but, you know, finally we're kind of allowed to, you know, say those things out loud, I think, is my point. Because, you know, there you've seen those blogs going around, Um you know, lean in, lean out, be bossy, be not, be this, be that, be, you know, be, I say, we're going to go over guys on time. If you're listening live, um, you know, I say be whatever it is that you're going to be that taps into your soul. Um, and sometimes it takes a little bit to figure that out, especially if you have childhood trauma and stuff like that. See, I don't have any of that. I have a pretty happy childhood. Um, I had great babysitters. Uh, the only time I ever remember my mom getting mad at a babysitter was when one let me wear nylons. Uh, ahead of like oh, year that my mom wanted me to wear nylons thing. or something. Yeah, yeah. My mom did not want me wearing <laughs> nylons before like seventh grade or something. And we had a rule with getting your ears pierced and things that probably don't oh even exist God. now. I'm not sure, but really, I, and I had some so yeah, I know we are. I I, I feel it. You've got to get to know each other way better because it's funny all the things that'll probably be really similar. But um, but yeah, I'm sorry that happened to you. But wow, look at you now. You know. The things you well, I think the things you learn. I think the thing with kindness is, is, is yeah. you know, I remember the day Survivor came out on TV, reality TV, and it really was an exciting show about adventure until the last episode when one of the character, one of the people on Survivor, turned and let out all kinds of unkindness and shouting and name-calling at one of the other participants on the Survivor Show. And I believe all reality show changed that day because it became less of a focus on the experience of the individual characters and all about name-calling and mudslinging. Being a strong woman is not about name-calling. It's not who can yell the loudest. It's not about who can be the cleverest in their comeback remarks. I believe strong yeah. women are also kind. We just happen yep. to be strong, kind women who have big voices. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. and, but and, it's tempered uh, with kindness. Yeah, and, and to you know encourage, I think that's the kind of um, wholesome type of um, encouragement that needs to go through the schools and droves um, to come back to wholesome a little bit and a, le- a lot less anonymous blogging and commenting and bashing oh, and, yeah. or, or even full, you know, full out blunt right to your face stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on. You know, I was, um, this is a few, few years ago now I was at with my um, son at swimming. One of my older sons was a swimmer for a while and there was a group of three girls. And I'm not going to remember the conversation perfectly, but basically the three girls were talking about how, I don't know what her name was. Let's just call her Jennifer for right now, how Jennifer was a, the B word and, and they didn't want to include her and they didn't want to do this because, you know, they felt like she was all about herself and kind of mean and all this stuff. And, you know, her clothes were better than theirs and, or not, or, you know, it was just kind of like one of those general, just gossipy rip sessions on another human being. 
And I happened to be standing there and my blood was started to boil. I'm like, Oh, I hate this kind of stuff. And so as a mom and, you know, as sort of a best ever you person, I felt compelled to say to the three girls, I was really nice about it. I said, do you guys have any, you know, this Jennifer girl, uh, do you guys have any idea like what's going on in her life right now? They're like, no, we barely know her. I'm like, are you ripping her to shreds? Uh, you know, and, you know, whatever, I'm not related to, I've got a boy in there swimming, you know, I don't know you guys from a hill of beans or whatever, but can, if I could just give you some advice, I've had this happen to me in my life before. And uh, my advice is to maybe just, you know, the one of you or the three of you or whatever, grab that girl and ask her, ask her who she is, what she is, what her dreams are, what her goals are, how her home life is, how she's doing in school. Does she have friends? Does she have a boyfriend? Does she have sisters, brothers? All the questions where you get to actually like know somebody for real. I came back the next week and those girls were there again. Uh, one of them was missing and they said that was the best advice ever. Um, they actually, I'm so shocked they listened. I, and they really did actually listen. They came right up to me. They were waiting for me actually to come in. And um, they, they said she, her father was abusive. And there were all sorts of things that unfolded into um, how unhappy this girl was at school, but she was pretending to be cool. But deep down, she was sitting there crying all the time and miserable and just trying to make friends and all this stuff. And somebody had in common what she had. You know what I mean? They just all found their, their place and being and everything. And um, I, I, don't know, I saw those girls um, at the grocery store about, I don't know, it must have been maybe like six months ago. They were all four together. And uh, wow. I don't know what my point of the story is exactly. I, I still haven't articulated it perfectly, but um, that kind of stuff is what I mean. Like you never know what's going on in somebody else's world for real. And especially and with young people. I am so glad you confronted it uh, because I, as as a teacher in particular, I often witness conversations of large group events where parents are ripping into even other family members and criticizing <laughs> and, and in front of the kids. And mm-hmm. we wonder how or where. Where did we learn that? It. Yeah. And, yeah, they learned it from us. That's where they learned it. And I'm even seeing these kinds of conversations happening with kindergartners, where I hear mm-hmm. kindergartners saying, we're not going to play with her today. Today we're not going to like her. Yeah, and weird. it just gets younger and younger. One of the things that I did in the classroom, and, and some of my best things that worked were things that I found out on accident. And, um, you know, I've, I see often in the halls, uh, I'll see boys fight. You know, I don't see it often, but I see when fights occur, the same kind of things happen where a teacher or an adult will make two boys shake hands and say, I'm sorry. Well, first off, you're making two kids that are furious with one another touch each other. And, and girls, because girls don't typically box it out, some of them do, but not typically, uh, girls will go underground. They will <laughs> hurt each other, not with overt fighting. They'll hurt each other with what they say Word. and by withholding friendships. Yes. And uh, one of the things that I did in the classroom and used it a lot was board games. 
and I had all kinds of board games, and I substituted cards uh, that were parts of the games with things that we were working on within the curriculum. So the kids had to play, as they played the games, they had to work in small groups, they had to communicate, they had to follow rules, they had to communicate with one another, they had to resolve conflict. And so often within our schools, um, we need to equip kids with tools, not only to communicate with one another, but in ways that we can resolve conflict because those aren't things that we're typically talking about. We just say, shake hands and say you're sorry. Well, that does nothing other than drive the conversation underground. Yeah. And so I'm thrilled to hear, I I just love that you confronted it. And and, I I don't know if I confronted it either. You know, I wasn't like all like in your face brash or anything like that. But I was just sort of like, I was sort of chill about it, you know, just like, would you guys like some advice maybe, you know, kind of thing, just from, you know, an ancient, like, mom-like turtle, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> from an ancient turtle. <laughs> exactly. The mom turtle. <laughs> mom turtle is what I call myself. That's funny. Um, you know, and, and then I just have, like, one other funny, like, little story, just because, you know, we're on the topic of kids and leadership and things like that. And, you know, I know I spent my – I, I was a cheerleader and um, I loved being a cheerleader. I was a gymnast and I was more a gymnast than a cheerleader, but it lended itself to that. And I was so tiny short that my true love was basketball and that was never going to happen. Um, <laughs> and so I was good in basketball in junior high, but man, everybody caught up to me. I've been this tall since third grade. So you can imagine in third grade, I was like, oh man, I'm oh, like six feet tall. And no, I've been this tall since third grade. So um, anyway, the thing that comes with being this tall sometimes is weight and, uh, and especially being a gymnast, you know, if you just, there's nowhere for weight to go at five foot two or three. And so I always felt in high school, like I had way bigger thighs than anybody and bigger upper arms. And part of it was my, me just doing gymnastics and developing faster than other people and you know, all those things. But um, I think today, I know people made fun of my thighs. I know it. I know people would say, oh, she has fat thighs or what, you know, the mean crap girls say. The one thing I've noticed about boys, having four boys, and especially one that's a baseball player, when my kid is on the mound pitching, nobody says, oh, my God, look at how big his butt looks in those baseball pants. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's no, like, Absolutely. Guy, guy, there's no guy rippage on the body at all. There's no like, oh, my God, can you believe how big his thighs are and those pants? You know, there's no, but like, boy, put a girl in a uniform. And I know this is a can of worms here, but, you know, put a girl in a cheerleading uniform and instantly people go, oh, is she fat or whatever? They don't do that with guys. And so there's like this, I, I found raising boys like this whole load of drama that was all about everything I always worried about is like non-existent with boys. It's like so nice not to have to worry about whether your butt looks fat in your baseball pants. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's a really weird example. <laughs> no, it, well, it's like what we said with the media. You know, when you walk, but when you see a girl's magazine or a woman's magazine, it's all about face how you look. and body yeah. image. Yeah, yeah, and how you look exactly and how you perform sexually. Yeah, uh, everything is like, man's oh. football. Most of the men's, men's magazines are about sports. There are GQ and some of those. But even those, if you look at the articles, are about being successful. Yeah, but and they're not about how many wrinkles than, they have or, 
No. Whatever it is no. that makes you, but you, I think my point is like you, you get, I agree. I, and I don't know if everybody feels this way again, you know, it's kind of overgeneralization, but you know, there's a lot that puts you down at a young age or can, if you yes. listen to it. And so right. to emerge as a leader or communicator, teamwork, collaboration, you know, all the things that you're talking about could be a little bit more difficult for females. I don't know. I don't, it's not proven or anything like that, but there's a lot that weighs us down when we're little that we're worrying about. And yes, they, 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 I've seen little girls as young as four and five where I've, I've talked with them and they'll tell me, or like, well, they will be at a party or something, some kind of gathering for young people. And I've heard four and five-year-olds tell me that if they were on a diet, they can't have any snacks because they're yeah. getting too fat. And so um, I, I, I think we have a responsibility to um, – to admire and give our young girls opportunities to focus on their gifts rather than their appearance. That's yeah. got to come. That's got to come from us. And it's got to start with the adults first. Yeah. I've just got such and, a gentle agenda. I mean, my, my agenda is just to like a little bit raise awareness of just being a little bit more gentle and a little bit more kind and just coming from like the, like a, a total gratitude point of like, you know, you're living and breathing, go for it. You know, I love your quote. I'm on your website. The world's waiting for you. Like go blaze a trail. I think that's just like, if you could put that into young people's minds, Oh, I think you're going to change the world. I mean, to put that into a young person's mind and one that, and somebody that's not hearing it at home or maybe doesn't feel so good in school, you know, and maybe you're that person who, who, you know, lights that little, that spark in somebody's um, world. And you just, I bet you don't even know how many lives you're going to change. Dr. Julie. I think it's pretty cool. Well, I think that's, I think that's true of all of us. We have no idea how we impact one another's lives for bad or good. Wouldn't it be awesome if we can impact this oh, world good. for good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a young person come up to me uh, not too long ago, just last week. And she said, she was in tears, and she said something about how my words changed how she felt about herself. And I thought, oh, my goodness, if I've got this kind of power to motivate and inspire mm-hmm. others to, to, for positive good, then my Back, circling back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this conversation, my words and actions better be aligned with the message that I profess. Yeah. You know, if, 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 if we're going to tell young people about values that are important, then the first responsibility each one of us has is to examine our own lives and see whether we're living attuned to what we profess or not. Yep. Yeah, I know. My my kids call me boring, and I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah. I'm really good with that. I am. I just, I've never been in through, through high school. I'll tell my kids, you know, through high school, junior high, college, and everything like that, I'm just not a drinker. I'm not a drinker. Don't do drugs. Don't smoke. You know, just really kind of pretty straight and narrow kind of lifestyle. And, um, you know, I tell them about one instance I had in college where, you know, I'm not going into it on the radio, but, you know, they know it. And I'm just like, oh, gross. You know, may I never drink again. And, um, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, you know, they've been raised in a pretty 
sober environment. And um, it's, it's kind of nice. And those are my values and my goals for them and stuff, because, you know, who needs all that on top of everything you're going through, you know, that it just clouds everything about you. And there's, I, I still say to this day, again, this is me, not you. This is my opinion. Um, as far as athletes go and teams and coaches and things like that, there's no way to be an athlete and drink it just is, uh, or do drugs or smoke. There's the two, the three things don't coincide with the word athlete. So if you're like an athlete out there and you're partying on the weekends and all this stuff, you're undoing what you're doing. And right. I always, I always think about like how much better you all would collectively perform as a team or individual without any kind of substance and with the clean eating and with, you know, the true athlete, like world-class, leadership valued gold disciplined behavior um and i'm not so certain everybody is that way and um that's oh, what, that's agree. kind of what i'm trying to reach with best ever you a lot is that real high value like let's raise our values up um to the point where you know gary Cobat and i talk a lot about being really substance free um in every way shape or form with you know the world-class athlete in you and being your healthiest best and all those things and i think there's a part of that I think that goes with you know leadership. Keeps your yes. mind clear. And I I think when we talk about words and actions and alignment with values, when we start living those, embracing our values and the words we say and the actions that we exhibit, then then the next step and part of that is how how is this reflected in my spirituality how is this respected mm. how does this reflect it in how i take care of my body how yep. is this reflected in relationships how is this reflected in my diet you know i i for years lived in uh, this is a bit of change of subject but i remember for years i because i was so busy and and i spoke all over the country and i was on the yep. road a lot my diet came out of vending machines, and I thought I was getting all my vegetables, microwave popcorn, and peanut butter <laughs> crackers. There's my protein yeah. and coffee and cigarettes, and that was my diet and cereal. And yeah. uh, I, to make a very long story short, I went to, I was part of an IBS study, and I was going to get $2,000 for taking a new medication. At the same time, I was reading Dr. Michelle Robbins' book, Small Changes, Big Shifts. And I heard her speak, and she talked about making two little, making small changes. So I decided to drink uh, two glasses of water, increase my water intake, and I hated water. So, but I can commit to that for a while. And I decided to try this green smoothie thing that I thought was stupid, but I can commit to that for a month. <laughs> yeah. And by the end of the month, I had to drop out of the study because my body regulated itself. Yeah, which led me to the next step. If these two little changes impact my health in this way, what would happen if I really tried clean eating? What if I incorporated exercise? This is one of the other things that I appreciate on your website, the things that are about clean eating and health. Because we as Americans in particular like to do things fast. And eating clean isn't necessarily the fastest, fun. quickest way to eat. Well, it's not but fast it or fun. fun. And, yeah, it can be. But 
you know, I think the I think one of the reasons why we're we mentioned this too is that whole adult role modeling thing, because all in order to be a healthy adult and and have healthy children, it's it's this giant acceptance of responsibility of yourself in you know physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually. You know, go with your right. you know your Lees. And there's a lot of things that come into play to be healthy in all of that. And that all plays into that mission, your goals, your leadership, you know, it, it's your life. Um, so and I'm they big all into connect. all that stuff and they all connect. Yeah. I, I always say connect the dots. Um, and so you'll see me do those, um, those well being challenges. And usually it's for, you know, like adults. And um, I know you you participated in one of them a few years back and really you weren't my target person because you were already walking the talk and so forth. And I was looking for people that were, um, you know, 150 pounds overweight or, you know, 100 pounds overweight and you you didn't fit that mold. You weren't overweight at all. You were just trying to clean up things well, a little bit and walk a little bit more. But it was fun to have you in there. And I learned a lot with you in there. And I think other people did too because you've got such good leadership things. But um, Jen walked away losing um, 120 or 30 pounds uh, from that. And I loved doing wow. Yeah. Do you know Jen? Yeah, and, she and was in the group. Came, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the pictures that she showed and shared of what transformation right. looks like. Uh, the thing that I noticed, that, you know, and but, I, but that, when I participated in the group, I wasn't, I was talking my talk, but, and I thought I was walking my walk, but yeah. as I did some of the different activities and read more, I was, I was learning at that time that I wasn't really applying this across the board because I had still, I think at some points had still kind of categorized my well, life. People so fight leadership, it. communication, spirituality, <laughs> yeah. and then health is in a shoebox over here. Yep. And that's the way it connected. is with people. Yep. Yeah, and those are big changes that I have clarity of thought now that yeah. I didn't even know what brain fog was until I started making some drastic changes with my diet. But the bigger changes didn't happen with me just deciding let's be drastic for a while. It, right. it happened by making really tiny changes. And the, the wonderful thing about the group being a part of that group was that there were other people to do it with and to be accountable to. Yeah. It's a fun, it's a fun group, but she, Some. but Jen lost all that yeah. weight doing exactly what you did. She changed everything she drank to just water. That's, that's usually what I do. I strip people of what they're drinking, alcohol included, um, and um, have water and green tea. And then um, those green smoothies come into play because those regulate your blood sugar. You know, you have one of those in the morning and your blood sugar is just help. It's like, oh, thank you for doing that. And then the other little trick um, <laughs> that we do is that warm lemon water in the morning to get your liver so it processes your do. fat better. Yeah, I love that lemon water still. But the reason why I mention this um, is because teenagers have such a hard time. I think we all still probably do. But you know, if you're in a family that is, you know, not eating right, chances are you might be doing that. If you're in a group of kids um, or teenagers or your group is drinking, you might. And um, I, you know, I encourage you, if you're a kiddo listening, teenager, college student, anything like that, you know, get those words, no thanks, in your body and in your brain and so forth. And one trick, I, I was just talking to my kids about this 
two days ago. One trick I did at parties, you know, I, I like parties. I'll go to a party and everything like that. But do I want to get so drunk at a party or drink at a party that I don't know where I am or how to get home? No, thanks. Do I want to lose control of my, you know, me? No. I took a red, uh, you know, if there are red cups around, mine had water in it right. or Diet Coke. No one knows. Everybody always thinks, oh, I got a drink to fit in. You can fill that red cup with soda and no one has a clue what you're drinking. And in fact, you might come off more cool because you don't. Just a thought. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. I did the same thing. And, you know, bottom line, what happens with alcohol and substance abuse is it numbs us out. Yeah. And, and we would say and do things under the influence that we would never do without. We feel like it's liquid courage. But what are we without? Yeah. It? And so, yeah. you know, once again, it's all about habits and instilling confidence and courage. And kids, yeah. that, I was that you're not sister. defined by what you drink. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, well, no. I was, I was having Probably. a chat with my, um, I can't remember where we were driving, but I was with my 15-year-old in the car. And, I, and we were talking about every, you know, I said, uh, what about this kid? And he's like, nope, drinks. What about this one? Drinks. What about this one? I'm like, how do you know this? And he goes, Snapchat. You just see their stories of them drinking and smoking and doing all this stuff. I'm like, Wow. And I said, um, what's up with you? And he goes, uh, I just, I'm not getting in that crowd. And I said, you know, nobody knows what's in your red cup, you know, but careful there because it'll probably ticket everybody if you're at a party or whatever, you know, you just, just stay away from it if you can. And um, he just was just like, eh, not really interested in it. And it was just interesting, but we talk a lot about it. And um, I don't know if, I know we're off on like tangents and things like that, but I'm not so positive totally aware that their Snapchat is uh, really actually permanent. All people have to do is take a screenshot of it. The social media, it's a wow. It's a permanent record. And that's one thing I really try to share with you ah. people is be, when you put it out there, are it's you, out there. you're not just telling your friends, you're telling the universe, even with kids that are in high school and with young adults when I teach college, the same thing. People lose jobs by what they choose to put out there on social media. And it's all back to alignment again. Is what you're putting, if you are, if who you say you are is who you are, then does what you post align with that? Uh, Because so many employers, the very first thing they look at when they are considering hiring a young person or any person of any age is they go to their social media pages. Yeah. And I just think uh, it's really good advice to, it's hard because I don't know that everybody's listening. Everybody thinks they're like so invincible on, on it, but it's, um, it's out there. I mean, it's really actually out there. I was trying to find a baseball player to recommend for, um, something and uh no it's there's snapchats out there it's like oh my uh it's uh yeah it's sad i, and know, I don't know if the parents have a clue and and that's why you know once boy this is a whole thing uh yeah it's gone on for an hour and 11 minutes many, too it's kind of fun <laughs> kids kids are much more social media savvy than many of their parents. And I really believe that parents have a responsibility to have discussions 
with the kids, and I know a lot of parents, I've heard many parents say what I don't know won't hurt me, but I'd like to add to that what you don't know can hurt your kids about who they're engaged with, what relationships they're in, discussions they're having with, particularly with strangers. I've known teachers who have lost more than one that have lost their jobs. One ended up on the news with what she posted in a compromising position um, at a party on her Facebook page, and it ended up on the news. And so and, and our, our kids, we have a responsibility to have those conversations with with the kids because they kids, as we know, a lot of times think they're invincible, and this isn't going to happen to me until it does. Yeah. So I'm I'm thrilled to hear these conversations you have with your sons. I think this is fabulous. Well, I think your website's awesome, and I use it a lot. And um, I think you've got a lot of work to do still. <laughs> These conversations oh. are like, do you ever feel like you've got so much work to do that you can't get it done fast enough? I know I feel that way all the time. <laughs> that I can't get it done fast enough. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and staying focused because I'm so passionate about yeah. so many things. But oh once again, what, what what am I called to do? Uh, you know, I I know I'm I'm here on this earth to get uh, young people and and their parents and all those who love them excited about their own lives. I know that's my mission in life is to help people turn in and and so every as I do my work through the day. And this is another really important tip that helped me. It was. I have a clear vision and mission. You know, I, I know I'm called to speak, to lead, to train, to prepare youth to be leaders and adults to be mentors and role models. As I make choices, no matter I always look at throughout the day, there's a million things I want to do, what aligns with my goals for the day. And it's a, when you have goals, it makes streamlining your calendar very easy. Because as tasks come your way and responsibilities or parties or whatever, does it align with who I am and what I want to do? And if it does, then I add it to my calendar. If it doesn't, then I say no thank you. And it's really difficult sometimes to say no to certain things. But um, my job is my life not to get approval from other people. Yeah. So, boy, we could do a uh, whole new show on that, too. My goodness gracious. And that's how I, you know, can we end on that a little bit? I know we got to go here because we've been an hour and 15 minutes, but, you know. (laughs) No, go ahead. Well, I I completely agree with that. And I think a lot of kids, I'm going to go back to the kids, adults included, you know, getting getting that approval from other people. I know um, Robin Mead um, uh, on, she, she lived her life like that for a long time, trying to constantly get approval. I had her on the radio show and she was on the cover of the magazine and all that stuff. And she actually developed an anxiety disorder over how does everybody yeah. like her or not all the time. And so that approval and that, do you like me and all that stuff, you know, I throw it back onto yourself um, about stop lying to yourself. You aren't fooling anybody, you know, and 
the only person you're ever really competing with is yourself. I know you think that too. You, you're really like, I'm yeah. not competing with you. You're not competing with me. I compete with myself. Um, and my, I view my job in the world when it comes to other people to lift them up, not put them down, yes. not criticize, not talk behind your back, not do any crap. And um, cause I, I'm not com- great for you. There's plenty of room. I hope you do great. I hope you succeed. Yes, I hope yes, you get a yes. scholarship. I hope yes. you, I hope you are awesome. And that is, I've noticed this with parents. Sometimes parents don't want other people's kids to succeed. It's the strangest thing I've ever seen. It's like, um, you know, when you have kids competing for the same spot on a team or something like that, a parent will rip on somebody else's kid. I've seen it time and time as I've raised my kids. I'm like, seriously? Don't ripping on a kid. Um, you I ever just that was ahead. all over the place, but you know, go ahead. No, no, you brought up something critical. I just wrote a blog post called "Escape the Scarcity Mentality Jungle," and huh. and we have, uh, you know, we are the United States is the richest country in the world, one of the richest countries in the world. And we have a population with such a scarcity mentality. We're afraid somebody's going to out keep us, out 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 race us, out out spend us, out dress us, out look us, no matter what it is. And I was crippled with the same thing for many, many years. I felt what do I need to do to keep being the best? And when that changed when I shifted my thinking, and and uh, you know I, I can relate to the severe panic disorder that that I heard a previous guest experience that because yeah. that I, I went down that rabbit hole as well, and when I started thinking in terms of abundance, mm-hmm. and I I truly believe now that rather than competing with other people in my field or competing with other women or competing, period. I believe in my soul that there is plenty of room at the table. There is plenty on the table and room for all. There are all the resources we need available. The only scarcity that exists is the scarcity that we believe in our own mind, the scarcity of our own perceptions. And so when we change our thinking and change our perceptions, you know, then our world changes. And, and that is a, you know, when, when you said plenty of room for all, I, I, I totally agree. And I think that's one of the critical lessons we have to teach today's kids. Yeah, it's because a, they, it's a, there is, go ahead. Well, it's a twisted knot of sorts, too, because, you know, you, I agree with the people who say you don't want to get everybody like a 10th place ribbon. I'm not saying that. That's, I'm not saying, you know, let's all, I you agree. know, kumbaya and everybody, you know, no one gets cut. I'm not saying that because it doesn't work that right. way. And I get that, you know, sometimes right. you're going to come in first and sometimes I'm going to come in first and you're going to come in last and I'm going to come in last. Whatever. I get that completely. And I, you know, and part of that is... um Competing in things you're just not good at, too. I think it's cool once you recognize what you really, where your strengths are and you go for it. Like, you know, I know I can make really good chocolate chip cookies. I don't really, you know, care what anybody else thinks. <laughs> and that's my competition to compete with myself, you know. I like to bake. 
am I out there looking for accolades? Am I out there looking? No, but you know what I mean? There's just certain things that certain people are good at and God bless them for it. You know, it's like, all right, you're great at that. And, um, don't knock me down about my cookies because I love them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, wow. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, when I first started out in the speaking world, I yeah. started talking about how to inspire and motivate others. And I realized I needed to drill down because there were a lot of people doing inspiration and motivation much better than I. So for a while, I went to speaking to women over 50 and didn't really like that too much. And then I drilled down some more and I started focusing on social media because a lot of people were asking me for assistance. And like Mm -hmm. I said at the beginning of the show, when I was speaking with that professional organizer and got real clear about my purpose, I also became real clear that what there's a lot of beautiful speakers out there and there's a lot of speakers that motivate and inspire young people. But when I realized in an attitude of abundance that what I bring to the table is unique and special and no one can do it like I can do it. Yeah, you're you. Message like I have a message. Then I can live in my authentic self and be proud of what I bring. And it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. Exactly. Yeah, there's nothing like putting a book out to make you feel unsuccessful sometimes. Um, because, you know, book, putting a, being an author, you, if, you ha, if you are competitive in nature in any way, shape, or form, being an author um, can instantly make you feel less than because you look at your book sales or, you, or you're not the one on the stage or you're not the one on the radio program that's in New York or you're not, you know, you can, you can easily with anything you do, I picked author because that's what I am, um, you can easily go down a path, I think, of feeling less than all around. I mean, you can really work right. yourself into a crap hole of I'm terrible if you let yourself. <laughs> um, and yeah. I think it's, and that goes with anybody. And I think that's the point that I'm trying to make. And I think you're trying to make too with, with kids and youth and all that stuff. If you, if you listen to what everybody says, you're not right off the bat, it's going to be a long life. When I hear young people saying, especially let's take the book for the example, it's excess. Well, tell me what, you know, I, I ask two questions. Well, tell me why it's not a success. And they'll rattle off all the reasons it's not a success. And then my next question is, then define success. Good luck and defining it. Yeah. Well, what would, what would success, you know, when I look at my book, what would success be with, the, with, with writing the book? The success was writing it and yeah. putting it out there. That's where the success was. Who buys it is up to them. A lot of those tools I needed because I, in 2004, I was in a car accident and experienced a a brain injury that impacted my short-term memory. So Mm -hmm. a lot of those tools in the book, I didn't discover because I'm brilliant. I discovered them because I needed tools to help me be real focused. Yes, and then I had something that I could share with others. And so I really believe you know, as a nation, we need to look at how do we define success and are we going to let money define it or are we going to be courageous enough to step to the proverbial plate and define it for ourselves? 
Yeah, and not rationalize success either. Um, you know, because a lot of people, when they don't feel successful, they they go the the route of, well, you know, um, if I have, you know, they use that word if, and if is like, oh, here comes the ration, rationalization. <laughs> you know, what statement's coming? You know, if I, I'm like, oh no, 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 no. It's oh, like, no, I you, you are already. You know, if I touch one life or if I, you know, and it's like, no, 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 no. We're not going to rationalize success down. You know, it, it's got to be success to me is. And for me, yes. yeah. And so, um, yeah, I'm picky with that whole success thing. It's a, it's a can of worms right there, too. All right. Well, it's an hour and a half, and this has been a really cool conversation. <laughs> But I think we got to go. I think uh, I think people okay. are going to have to tune in and listen to this show in a couple parts and have you back on because uh-huh. it's really fun to chat on and on and, and oh, share views. And wonderful. I love, I love having conversations like this. And, you know, and I think to anybody listening, we're not saying we're right and we're not saying we're wrong. We're just giving some thoughts out there. And Julie and I are having a chat back and forth about some of the things that are going on in our lives, our thinking, um, things that we've seen. Um, what else, Julie? Uh, you know, and we challenge others to discover. Ask yourself the hard questions. Mm-hmm. What's important to me? What makes me happy? Uh, when people ask me about things that they want to do with their lives and and goals that they have, and I do it, but I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. I don't have a connection. My next question is. Well, if you had the time and the money and the connections and the resources, what would you do? Yeah. And typically they say, well, I'll do this and this and this. And my advice then is, well, then go do this and this and this as if you have <laughs> the resource. Yeah. And so that, that's, it's, it's all about taking chances. I believe the same fire that melts butter hardens steel. And well, I like so that when you wrote that the other day. That's a good. That's oh, a, I love I, that. I, I, I saw that it. from you the other day. I thought that was awesome. The, <laughs> uh, the other thing. To live this life full. Yeah, I think so too. And the other thing I noticed before we go is that um, if you're out there and you're listening and um, you're in that mode where you're like, oh my gosh, I I need to change my job, my weight, my hair color, my you know, pick ten things. And a lot of people do that. They, they go, I need to change these 10 things in order to be happy or successful or whatever it is. I would, I just was coaching somebody the other night and I challenged them to just pick one. And the one we picked was well-being. Um, and the reason Whoa. why, the reason why we picked well-being is because it's at the core of everything. Mm-hmm. Think about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And once you get your well-being in check for real, for you, it trickles over into all those other things and you get the tools that you need to make more change. But if you're sitting out there and you're thinking, Oh, this show has sparked me to change these five things, hang on and change one, (laughs) change one at a time and um, think about what's most important to you. And um, I guarantee you the other changes will follow. If you, um, if you listen to what, you know, if you really focus in and listen and, um, and all that stuff. I know that was kind of rambly, but um, yeah, well-being. I think well-being is so critical, and we talked about a lot about that. Agreed. Take one step. Start somewhere. Do something. And the next step will unfold. And I guarantee you, you'll make mistakes, too. Those are fun. 
Those teach yeah, you. Yeah, but the mistakes always, yeah, they, they point you. It's all about, you know, we can look yeah. at challenges as obstacles or directional arrows that propel us into our new opportunities. Mistakes are just directional arrows. That's all they are. Yeah. Um, they don't I like reflect adjustment. our self-worth. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I love adjustments. Like when you, yeah, when you make a mistake or something isn't right for you, adjusting is really a cool tool. And we just used this the other night. Um, the person I was coaching, I said, try some yoga. And um, he wrote back and he's like, well, um, I split my pants during yoga class. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, well, you can adjust that one of two ways. You can never go back to class, or you can buy bigger pants or more flexible pants. Or <laughs> it's so funny that I'm like, you split your pants during yoga. Oh, that's hilarious. Awesome. Yeah, no, well, he tried. Anyway, all right, lots of love. Thank you very much for being here. Um, Thank really you cool so much. This was fun. Yeah, very fun. Um, for everybody listening, thank you for hanging in with us for the hour and a half. Um, you can go to drjulieconner.com for more information. The show is free. You can replay it. You can share it. I hope Julie Connor gets her own radio show. I think that would be a genius thing. <laughs> Dr. Julie Connor, a radio show by you. Could be very cool. Oh, you host it yourself. That would be fun. Put, it could be cool. Block Talk Radio is neat for that. Um, and then Julie Connor is the author of Dreams to Action, your trailblazer's guide. I love that. That's on Amazon. I'll put links up to that. And we, we have some of them on Best Ever You, but I'll do it again with the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Dr. Julie, anything we missed? <laughs> Kitchen no, sink, it. perhaps? Don't live your okay. best life ever. <laughs> All right, everybody. Take care. And in, uh, if you're in New England, enjoy the snow, the foot of snow. Ah, the joys. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Best Ever You Network. For more information, just visit us at besteveryou.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.